You know what that music means. Pete <laughs> Maverick Mitchell is here to save us from like a like a cold war or like a attack or something. I don't know. Either way, that music means it's time to be doing the top five. You know, we always do top fives on here. We maybe will do drafts in the future, but we always do fives in some way. And of course, we like to start off the year with the top five of 2020. Well, not, we don't do the top five of 2022 every year, but you know, the top five of the previous year to start off the new year. And I think we've got a good one uh, coming in. I think I was really, really excited about the kind of things that we got to experience in 2022 from podcasts to books to music albums and TV shows, movies, lots of good stuff out there. Um, It's all being published thanks to my good friend over at Saoirse Ronan Deserves an Oscar. You can see it all in list reading format. Um, But of course, we do like to have the podcast kick us off every year as well. Bit of a hiatus for the holidays, and I wanted to make sure I saw all the movies that came out that I was curious about before I made this podcast, so a bit of a delay, but here we are. Happy Thursday in January. We still made it in January, and then we'll be back with regularly scheduled programming for the podcast as we head into the denouement for season four of Goodbye Melbrook Road. I think we got like six or seven episodes left, and then we'll start work on season five, baby. That's right. You can't cancel this because if it was canceled, it would be me doing that, and that would not be the same thing as being canceled. That would be ending. All right, so I'm going to get these lists up here. We're going to get them going. Um, but how are you? Talk to me like as if I am Dora the Explorer or Steve from Blue's Clues. How are you? Oh, interesting. Huh, very exciting. I didn't know you knew him, too. He's a good guy. Cool, cool. Oh, well, you know, there's only only so much time in the world to be able to go to an Olive Garden these days. Yeah, I think so. That's fascinating. Okay. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing. Um, I've now got the list up. Let's start with let's start with the podcast. You know, this is a podcast. Why not start with the podcast? I don't rank um, spoilers podcast or the post park broadcast from uh, friends of the pod, um, Pappy Malcolm and Stevie and Brett and Hector Servin because I don't want to just you know rank the art and the work that um, friends create. That feels wrong. So just a quick shout out to them at the top. They do great stuff. I'll definitely make sure to link to their um, podcast in the episode description. Um, but without further ado, we got our top five podcasts of the year. Number five, that would be the Blank Check podcast with Griffin Newman and David Sims and, of course, producer Ben Hosley. Um, you know, they every year they will cover a film, like they will cover filmmakers and their their filmographies one by one, evaluating them as if how they did with their blank checks, if those checks ever bounced, things like that. Uh, this year they were able to cover Jane Campion, um, 
of which I've still only seen The Power of the Dog, but it was a good movie. Um, Sam Raimi, who obviously was behind the Spider-Man trilogy with Tobey Maguire. So that was a lot of fun to listen to. Um, Bob Fosse was a good one. All That Jazz might just be the best one they've ever covered on Blank Check. Uh, and they close out the year with both Stanley Kubrick and Henry Selleck. Um, and you can't really be mad about that, especially since they called the Henry Selleck miniseries. Ben Hosley's The Podmare Before Castmas. You'll love to hear that. Um, number four was Podcast The Ride. It's kind of like Blank Check, but about theme parks. Um, they just do, like, every episode is about some sort of weird, nostalgic anomaly that exists in the world, like Count Chocula or Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville or um, Planet Hollywood, Doctor Doom's Fearfall, all these weird little things that we like to celebrate in the world. Um, they, I only found out about their podcast this year, but I really love it. It's great. Um, then we got number three, The Big Picture from The Ringer. We love Sean Fennessy and all the people over there who put out great work about the movies in the world. The movies, baby, cinema. We'll get to movies in a second. But this year, you know, their drafts, their auctions. Wasn't really big on their review of Elvis. I thought they tried to reclaim that a little too late. You know, some of us were there with Elvis from the beginning, but, you know, it's okay. Um, number two is Comedy Bang Bang. Always a favorite of mine, but I've never actually put it this high on the list before. Comedy Bang Bang had a great year this year, and I'm just going to say it was mostly because of people like Lily Sullivan, Dan Lippert, and, of course, Gil Ozeri. Um, that would be... Um, the man who brought to life Ned Bellinella, the busiest man in the world. And of course, of course, Dr. Sweet Chat, the small talk robot, um, which is maybe the hardest I've ever laughed at comedy. Bang, bang. And then at number one, um, I've teased it for many years. I was like, should I put it at number one? Is it, too, is it too specific to what I love to be at number one? Should I go broader? But no, I'm being true to who I am. Number one is Lou Mangello's Walt Disney World radio show. I love this podcast so much. I'm just going to read off some of the episode titles they had in 2022. They had The Past, Present, and Future of Frontierland. They had a resort report about Wilderness Lodge. The Top 10 Smells in Walt Disney World. A live review of Three Bridges. The Top 10 Ways to Celebrate the Holidays in Walt Disney World. This is just... I When, it, when I see these come into my feed, I feel just happy. Is that not what a podcast should make you feel? If you see one come into your feed and you go, Ugh, this... Maybe unsubscribe from that and subscribe to Lou Mangiello instead. So good. All right. Let's take a look here. Let's move on to books. I don't do, I don't rank books either. It feels wrong to rank literature. I don't know what that is in my brain. So I'm just going to give you the, all 10 books that I put in this list. Cosmos by Carl Sagan. We love outer space, astronomy. So fun. How to Be Perfect by Michael Schur. You know, astronomy. How about some philosophy while you're at it? And why don't you make that philosophy a little bit funny, too? A little sprinkle of laughs. You ever thought about that? How about you laugh once in a while, maybe? Uh, then we got Killers of the Flower Moon by David Gran. Uh, soon to be a Martin Scorsese movie, but is currently a riveting, kind of heartbreaking uh, nonfiction uh, story about... Not, that's not Nonfiction recounting of the murders of the Osage people in 1920s Oklahoma. Um, if you like In Cold Blood from Truman Capote, you'll probably like this. Um, we're going to come back to the next one. Uh, I'll talk about Peter Pan and Wendy. 
Uh, there's some racism, you know, we won't, we won't ignore that, but the, the heart of the story is so tragic, I was kind of really, I went into like a huge deep dive about the ending of this book, because it is not an ending they make, uh, apparent in the Disney version, um, it is, it is a lot, it's heavy, heavy stuff, uh, then we got The Ride of a Lifetime by Bob Iger, I thought this would be like a reflective career capper for him as the CEO of Disney, instead, it was maybe a little preview of his uh, reconquista of the company. Um, it's a little sanitized, I'll be honest, but there's some good stuff in there. Uh, sister, Mother, Husband, Dog by Delia Efron, the sister of Nora Efron. Just a great collection of essays. Some of them are funny, some of them are sad, some of them are funny and sad. If you like just like expository nonfiction writing about a person navigating their uh late middle age then you'll enjoy this um then i got the song of achilles by madeline miller uh recommended to me by just like a platonic work friend of mine um she she's okay um (laughs) she also just flipped me off um uh yeah song of achilles was good it's like the trojan war but through the perspective of like gay people which was nice we love that um I think that maybe you could even consider the Iliad to be that too, but obviously the Song of Achilles makes it even more explicit. In it's like a it's like a little romantic lens, little romantic lensing that you can take on the a story that people have been retelling for decades and centuries, etc. Then we got Tinderbox by uh, James Andrew Miller in Oral History of HBO. It's like nine hundred pages, so if you like television, you'll just race through it. Goes all the way from like their boxing TV to all the way to the White Lotus, which is great. Uh, Whispering Heart by Etziri Lucero. It's a collection of poetry that was super, just, some of them were just, like, really, really moving. Um, if you like just incredible, original, authentic, heartfelt poetry, go for Whispering Heart. And I'm going to loop back around because I, I definitely have a favorite book that I read this year. It is. It's called Pachinko. It is by Min Jin Lee. This is also, like, one of my favorite books that I've ever read in my life. Um, it is an incredible, sweeping, like, 500-page historical fiction epic of a family from, like, from a little girl um, in Japan, o- Japanese-occupied Korea, being born to a family that struggled to survive and struggled to make money all the way up until when she is a grandparent um, and what she has to navigate with her children, her grandchildren, there'd be pages that would be soaring with life and love and then you'd turn the page and it would just like just before you could even think to celebrate the win it would just knock you out it's an incredible book i highly recommend pachinko and you'll be hearing a little bit more about that in just a minute we're going to move now to the top five albums of the year number five we've got uh the loneliest time by carly ray jepsen let me tell you, this this Carly Rae Jepsen, I know Call Me Maybe. We all know Call Me Maybe. I thought she was a one-hit wonder, but nah. She has been making steady bangers since 2012. We are in year 11 of the CRJ experience now, and she is just churning out jam after jam. And I honestly think my favorite song from the album is not even one of the jams. It's like the heartfelt ballad. So Carly Rae Jepsen, she just does it better than anyone. Number four, we got Panorama, Haley Kiyoko. Um, yeah, Haley Kyoko, she's only, she only came onto my radar recently, uh, maybe like a year or two ago. She is awesome. Her music makes me feel like I am cool when I listen to it. 
It looks like Emily wants to say something about Haley Kyogo. Uh, she's announcing the tour. She's announcing a tour. Very exciting. We should definitely try to go to that. Um, and Panorama was a great album. Number three, Laurel Hell by Mitski. Did not know who Mitski was at this time last year. But not only do I now know her, love her, love the album, I have seen her live. Her performance was very performance art um, live, but so is her album. It's like this indie synth pop kind of I'm depressed music, but it's so good. I think The Only Heartbreaker is one of the best songs of the year. Number two, speaking of best songs of the year, I think my favorite is probably As It Was, and it comes from my number two album, which is uh, Harry's House by Mr. Harry Styles. Um, wonderful album, wonderful pop album, uh, and I think it would just get there into the top five, even if it only had As It Was on it, because that is truly probably my favorite pure pop single since Royals by Lord 10 years ago. Very exciting. And then number one is Midnight's by Taylor Swift. This is now the fifth time that Taylor has had an album of hers be my favorite album of the year. She has only released 10 of them, so that is a great batting average. Um, but yeah, Karma, Question, You're on Your Own Kid, Antihero, Maroon, Hits Different, Would've, Could've, Should've, Paris. There is, there are just a, there's a ton of amazing music on Midnight's. Jack Antonoff produced most of it, but there's also some helping hands from Aaron Dessner, Joe Alwyn, Zoe Kravitz, Lana Del Rey, etc. Midnight's by Taylor Swift. Amazing. Get ready for that Lavender Hayes music video tonight. Let's move on to TV shows. Number five, Barry. Bill Hader's hitman turned actor, comedy, drama, action, HBO thing. Hard to really pin down what Barry is because Bill Hader is just prolific, euphoric. He is an incredible creator. Um, and Barry might have had its strongest season so far this year. Number four is going to be The After Party over there on the Apple TV+. Um, the first show Apple released this year is The After Party, um, and it was great. Uh, Ike Barinholtz, um, Zoe, Zoe Chow, um, who else? Dave Franco, Sam Richardson, um, and Alana Glazer. Lots of great comedians are part of this. It's a murder mystery except every episode is not only from the perspective of a different character in the show um it's also a different genre so ben schwartz for example his episode is a musical sam richardson i believe his episode is a rom-com alana glazer is a, is a thriller uh zoe chow is an is like an animated family thing it's so good or like her kid was i don't remember i don't remember exactly it was a year ago leave me alone it came out in january of 2022 leave me alone uh, but the after party was excellent. Uh, number three, Bluey. We love Bluey. Bluey is incredible. Bluey is probably the best kids show of the past 20 years. It is right up there in the lineage of Sesame Street, Blue's Clues, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Some of the greatest children's shows of all time. And Bluey absolutely belongs there. Um, I don't know what even to say about it. Each episode is seven minutes. It's Australian. The sensibilities are immaculate. The lessons learned are applicable to people of all ages. Bluey is just top-notch television. Number two, I'm speaking about Pachinko. Uh, they have not covered the entire book of Pachinko yet, but season one covered quite a bit of it, and this is what first turned me on to the book. The show is really well done. The acting is top-notch. Um, the cinematography, incredible. Production design is like just feels really lived in. 
and um, just cinematic, but while still being on television over there on Apple. And my number one is Better Call Saul. Had its final season this year, 13 episode final season. And just, it's really, truly some of the best television I've ever seen in my life. Um, I thought it was, a lot of people say, is it better than Breaking Bad? I think it's not even close. I think Better Call Saul is, um, is it, like clearly better than Breaking Bad, in my opinion. And this final season proved it completely. Loved Better Call Saul this year. Um, and then we're going to move into movies. I thought this was a great year for movies. It was really hard to narrow this down. So hard to narrow down, in fact, that I'm going to throw out some honorable mentions right now. Chippendale Rescue Rangers, Vengeance, Banshees of Inishirin, Glass Onion, Turning Red, Ticket to Paradise. These are all great honorable mentions I needed to tell you about. But my top five, number five is Avatar The Way of Water. There is about an hour and a half long stretch in the middle of Avatar The Way of Water where I felt things I've never felt before in my life. Incredible filmmaking there. Number four is Top Gun Maverick, the music you heard at the top of this podcast episode. Obviously, Top Gun Maverick will always be iconic. Um, we love to see those characters back on the big screen. Tom Cruise waited years during the pandemic to release this. He was like, this shit is not going on Paramount. This shit will be the greatest movie-going experience ever. And uh, Memorial Day will never be the same. It is now. I think we should change Memorial Day um, to be like Memorial Day weekend. You know, you keep Memorial Day on the Monday, but maybe on Friday we all watch Top Gun Maverick together. Uh, number three, The Fablemans. Steven Spielberg's autobiographical coming-of-age story about a little boy who just wants to make movies at the height of his parents' divorce. Um, there are some crazy revelations in here that recontextualize pretty much everything we thought we knew about Spielberg and his movies. Loved The Fablemans. It is incredible, thoughtful, thought-provoking filmmaking, especially from a man who is nearing a place where you don't think people usually make thought-provoking films anymore. Number two is Elvis. I don't really know what to say about Elvis besides the fact that it was fucking astonishing. Baz Luhrmann is in his bag here. Austin Butler, incredible performance. Tom Hanks is going sicko mode. What more do you want out of a time at the movies? Elvis was phenomenal. Don't let anyone tell you different. And number one, everything, everywhere, all at once. It's been my number one probably since I saw it in April with Emily. I actually saw one, two, I saw four of the top five with Emily. Maybe that's a common denominator. If you see a movie with Emily in the theaters, it gets to your top five. Um, Everything Everywhere All at Once was a great, great film, though. Highly emotional, but so creative and so fun. And it just plays with the form, and it plays with so many different genres. Michelle Yeoh is incredible. Kihui Kwan, Stephanie Hsu. These people are all just putting in incredible work. The Daniels really made one of my all-time favorite movies this year. Really great year for movies, really great year for everything art-related. Um, and, of course, we want to throw out a great sports moment uh, when Joe Burrow led me to a fantasy football championship, baby. Uh, 2022 had its moments, and hopefully 2023 will have even more. So thank you for listening. 20 minutes in and out. Those are my top fives. Please share me with me yours. I love lists very much. And I love reading other people's lists, so don't be afraid to send them to me. Thank you, and I love you, but don't cross me, but you're the best.